this is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. The week that was offered plenty of drama, both real and fake. But let's start with the manufactured bullshit coming out of the GOP's Biden witch hunt. And let's start with last Thursday, the House Oversight Committee held its first hearing of their official impeachment inquiry investigation as of yet, unproven allegations of abuse of power, obstruction, and corruption by President Biden. The GOP invited three witnesses to testify before the committee. Justice Department official Eileen O'Connor, law professor Jonathan Turley, and forensic accountant Bruce Dubinsky. So if Republicans were looking for a bombshell first hearing, well, they just didn't get it. Because all three witnesses agreed that they would not be presenting any first-hand witness account of crimes committed by the President of the United States. In his written testimony to the committee, Turley, a George Washington University Law School professor, pulled by Republicans as a key witness for the hearing, called into question the evidence Republicans have claimed to gather against Biden, who they allege benefited from his son Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings during his vice presidency. And I quote, I have previously stated that, while I believe that an impeachment inquiry is warranted, I do not believe that the evidence currently meets the standard of a high crime and misdemeanor needed for an article of impeachment, Turley wrote, who has testified at impeachment hearings for former Presidents Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, and, as he noted in the document, substantiated the two articles of impeachment during the latter's inquiry that the House later adopted. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called the spectacle an embarrassment and pointed to the fact that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy had circumvented a floor vote authorizing the inquiry, a vote that has typically been taken in past impeachment proceedings before moving forward with public hearings. And then ranking member Jamie Raskin shared his disgust. They don't have the votes because dozens of Republicans recognize what a futile and absurd process this is, he said. And in his closing statement, Raskin claimed that everyone was making fun of what he called this Seinfeld impeachment. An impeachment hearing about nothing, apparently two days before the government is about to shut down, he also said. Now, other Democratic committee members further questioned the absence of evidence from the witnesses, with one asking why Rudy Giuliani, the former New York mayor turned personal attorney for Trump, wasn't called to testify given his previous side quest in Ukraine to find information on the elder Biden. When I walked into this hearing room, my first question was, where's Rudy Giuliani, Representative Stephen Lynch of Massachusetts said. This is supposed to be an inquiry on the facts against the president for potentially an impeachment. Articles of impeachment, Lynch continued. The one person, the one person who was an agent of President Donald Trump was sent to Ukraine to dig up dirt, find some dirt on Joe Biden. Just like Trump said to the election officials in Georgia, find me 11,780 votes, he said to Giuliani. Find me some dirt on Joe Biden. And we don't have him here? 
We're not allowed to ask him questions, Lynch added before reading off a transcript of a call between Trump and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. A sense of futility and anger also consumed the GOP during the impeachment hearing as well. And according to CNN, they were upset, get this, by the fact that their own fucking witness' testimony countered the bullshit narrative they themselves had spun and were saying that there's no evidence of a Biden crime. Picking witnesses that refute House Republican arguments for impeachment, I mean, it's fucking mind-blowing. This is an unmitigated disaster, a senior Republican aide told CNN Capitol Hill reporter Melanie Zanona. As the kids say, the whole thing was cringe. A sad, sad fucking spectacle meant to draw attention away from Donald Trump, who this week was found to be liable for fraud by a New York judge for inflating the value of his businesses and given the corporate death penalty. More on that later, and it's staring down the barrel of bankruptcy as well as the eventual liquidation of his assets. I mean, that's not even calling to attention the four criminal trials that Trump is facing. But here we go. These GOP nutters, what do they want to do? They just want to give some back to Biden. And it would be funny if it weren't facing a government shutdown and truly other real world problems. Meanwhile, an appeals court rejected Trump's effort to delay the start of his fraud trial. Early in the week, Trump was found liable over accusations that he inflated the value of his properties by billions and billions of dollars. Trump, his top executives, and idiot sons were declared completely liable of persistent and repeated fraud, and the real estate empire was unceremoniously stripped of its business licenses in New York after a judge's powerful ruling on Tuesday ahead of the massive trial that seeks to hit him with no less than $250 million in penalties for bank fraud. And in a stunning development, the judge has already ordered the complete dissolution of the fabled Trump organization. I mean, that's Trump's pride and joy, the empire that made him famous and ultimately elevated him into the White House. The Trump Organization and its sister companies will be sent into receivership to be under the control of a court-appointed officer. Trump is facing complete corporate dissolution, or what experts call the corporate death penalty. The ominous-sounding term means that he's completely and totally fucked. The ruling by New York State Court Justice Arthur Ngoron spent some 35 pages describing Trump's frauds and shutting down his lawyers' ridiculous arguments. But the meat of it happens in two short subparagraphs when Ngoron yanks Trump's corporate charter. And the first paragraph orders the immediate cancellation of any certificates, meaning corporate licenses that are held by Trump dipshit sons Don Jr. and Eric, all right, who both claim to be executive vice presidents and corporate leaders at the Trump Organization, as well as all of the underlying LLCs. The second paragraph 
orders that within 10 days of the date of this order, the parties are directed to recommend the names of no more than three potential independent receivers to manage the dissolution of the canceled LLCs. And my friends, just like that, the Trump organization doesn't exist as a business entity any longer. The ruling is so massive and such a blow to Trump's ego that it's even hard for me to fathom. Trump seems to have been most offended that the ruling calls into question his purported net worth. The fraud the Trump organization committed is, in part, that it vastly overstated the value of several properties in order to receive favorable contracts and bank loans. But, Trump insists, the ruling didn't put a price on his most valuable asset, and that is his brand. Said, of course, in all caps, uh, I mean, I am worth much, much more than the numbers shown on my financial statements. And two, I didn't even include my most valuable asset, my brand. And three, the banks were paid back in full, sometimes early. There were no defaults. The banks made money, were represented by the best law firms, and were very, very happy there were no victims. And also, on the front page of the financial statements, there is a strong disclaimer clause telling all not to rely on these financial statements. The disclaimer clause tells anyone reviewing the data, including financial institutions, to do their own research and analysis. It is a non-reliance clause and cannot be more clear. Additionally, to my being worth far more than is shown in the fully disclaimed financial statements, Again, not putting down a value for my biggest asset brand. All right, the company has hundreds of millions of dollars in cash and very little debt. I mean, my friends, the seismic impact of this ruling on Trump will take a moment to sink in. But the damage will be irreparable. I mean, that's certainly for sure. His brainwashed, brainhead-dead supporters will continue to cheer for him and blame the whole thing on a left-wing conspiracy. But the vast majority of this nation will bury Trump with this news. You see, Trump became famous based on the sense that he was a deal guy, an expert negotiator, and a master businessman. And with this ruling, all of this is stripped away. Now he's just another shithead deadbeat. And now for the main event. Storm and Norm Eisen is back with us today to unpack the Angoron ruling and what it means for Donald Trump. If you happen to be tuning in for the first time, which I doubt because we're killing it in the charts, Eisen is a CNN legal analyst and the founder and executive chair of States United Democracy Center, a nonpartisan organization advancing free, fair, and secure elections. His articles for the Brookings Institute and elsewhere have made the case for why Trump and his brand of criminal conspiracists represent a clear and present danger to democracy. The former Obama ethics czar and ambassador to the Czech Republic, he joins us today to get at the very heart, the very essence of what's going on. So let's go now to that conversation. 
Okay, so Norm, I want to start today by talking about Judge Ngoron's ruling that will basically strip Trump of his business licenses and likely push him towards liquidation, if not bankruptcy. Now, you called it a corporate death penalty. What effect do you see this ruling having on him politically, if any? Because let's, let's be honest, his image of himself and how he presents himself, especially to his base, is all, of course, predicated on being a winner, a rich man, someone in control of everything. Now, with all of this stripped away, he'll basically be none of those things. Do you think that this buys him sympathy from his base, or do you think it potentially weakens him substantially? Uh, both. Um, in the short term, it does, I believe, constitute um, another uh, brick in the uh, Trump wall of uh, support from uh, roughly 30% of Americans. He has a very high floor with those Americans. It's very hard to do anything to shape their support of him, Michael, as you know. You're, there's no more acute yes. Trump observer than yourself. Um, but he has a very low ceiling by the same token because he can't get beyond that roughly 30% um, of Americans um, for firm support. And so with that group, this is going to be, oh, one more attack. Uh, the witch hunt continues. Uh, D.A. Tish James and the judge are in cahoots against me. This is not America, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is that um, they, he's going to come out of this trial that starts next week with additional holdings, like the summary judgment holding that we got this week, that he committed fraud. As you know, I've been writing about this. I wrote a big Brookings report in 2021, uh, another one um, before the, the, the AG uh, brought her case. Uh, you know, the fraud is so obvious. You testified to Congress about it. I mean, this is really, you blew the lid off of this, Michael. So uh, the fraud is, uh, is so obvious with the disparate values. As the judge said in his opinion, it was very eloquent. If your apartment is 10,000 square feet, 11,000 square feet, okay, maybe you could make an argument. I'm going to count the closets and the balconies. I'll go up to 12,000. You can't go to 30,000. It's objective truth. And those kinds of valuations on his properties, on 40 Wall Street, on uh, on the Seven Springs estate, um, over and over again, uh, increasing by 400% um, uh, and more the value of some of these properties, uh, you know, uh, that is going to be a millstone to him when he gets out of his base, when he gets out of the primaries, it's going to be one more. Those same bricks weigh him down. Um, they constitute his ceiling with the general public. So um, it's going to have a mixed effect. Short-term sugar high, long-term uh, diabetic cr political crash. <laughs> well, that's one way certainly to put it. So what doesn't make sense then and you're 100% correct that he has 
a locked-in base of 30% of the electorate, at least the Republican uh, electorate, that no matter what he does, they're not moving away from him. It doesn't make a difference. He could, as he said, shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and still, you know, be completely um, supported by these folks. So the question that I have for you, especially now in light of the fraud allegation, the civil fraud lawsuit that has just been ruled on by Judge Ngoron, uh, which takes away the liability portion of the trial, the bench trial. The question becomes then, how is it possible? How? That 46% of the country, according to a recent poll, are favored to vote for Biden if the election was today, and 46% of the country for Donald Trump. There is a statistic dead even between the two of them. How is it possible? (laughs) Even worse. (laughs) Even worse, Michael. Um, There was a Washington Post poll this week. It's an outlier. The Post itself discounted the bulb (laughs) that had Trump 10 points up on Biden. Um, It's it's a combination, in my view, uh, it's a combination of multiple factors. Uh, We live in a moment, um, whether you like it or not, when there's uh, extreme uh, extreme disappointment in government. Um, and and so Biden, who has done a superb job, does not get um, the credit he deserves from um, many in a cranky public. So some of it is about Biden. Um, some of it is this very loyal core. Trump has very strong intensity. Some of it is the fact that the choice has not really crystallized for people. We've had three elections that have been referenda on Trump. And in all of them, there's been a lot of hand-wringing and worry what will happen in the end of the day. And in all three of them, the American people have really overwhelmingly rejected him. 2018 was a referendum, and he suffered massive losses, including, um, including in Congress. 2020, of course, he was on the ballot, um, huge national vote margin, closer on a state-by-state basis. And then 2022, he put these uh, crazy uh, candidates, Doug Mastriano, Pennsylvania governor, Carrie Lake, Arizona governor, secretary of state, election denier candidates, and they were totally repudiated. It was another election on Trump. Another referendum on Trump. So I think, as Biden says, um, your choice is not uh, between me and the almighty. Your choice is between me and the other guy. And when when it becomes clear that the choice is between Biden and Trump, people are going to pick Biden. And in fact, there's some brand new polling out. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, the Save My Country Action Fund just has polls Mm -hmm. out. And in all, all of those places... Biden is beating Trump um, outside of the uh, margin of error. So the closest is Pennsylvania, where he beats him 48 to 45, 48 to 44 in Michigan, 48 to 44 in Wisconsin. So, okay, so let's even let's even say that that's right. 
the fact that there's still 48 to 44 with a margin of error, probably plus or minus five, this is a, this is a real horse race that's going on. Now, I say that because you're talking about a former president who's been impeached twice, legitimately impeached twice. I don't have to tell you, you worked on, you worked on one of those impeachments. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> impeached twice, indicted four times, 91 counts pending against him, charged with civil sexual assault, being charged for, well, uh, let's see, Trump University, his businesses shut down for fraud, his corporation, his company that basically um, catapulted him into the White House, shut down, or I should say just charged with fraud. You have, let's see, what else is out there on dear old Diaper Donald? Um, you know, you have his charitable uh, uh, entity shut down for fraud, his university shut down for fraud, and yet... There's still a horse race against a guy who, whether you like all of his policies or not, whether you have an issue with the migrants that are now, you know, uh, in the United States, whether or not you think gasoline is still too high or that the interest rates uh, currently being felt by Americans is too high. I get all that. But how do you compare what I would say a ripe banana with one that's fucking black and moldy. And when you peel it away from its skin, it slops in your hand like just like leachate. How can the two of them be comparable? Which one do you, which one will make you sick and which one do you want to eat? Um, you know, uh, people... People do not, uh, unfortunately, uh, realize that um, uh, that um, uh, that is the situation. They think that uh, the opposing candidate is also not the freshest produce on the stand. That is an issue. They don't appreciate that Biden is like a fine puddle of wine if you he has utilized his age and his experience to um uh, uh really have one of the most uh, effective um administrations in modern presidential history he's done such a good job these um these three years that um uh, that he's been in office and why is he not getting the credit for it, Norm? You know, the he's not the best in selling himself. Um, and uh, there's a... American people are still feeling the pain of the pandemic, the inflation that followed, uh, the dislocations, um, the income inequality in our country. There's a lot of... Um, there's And then you have this 30% that is constantly pumping lies into the body politic 
and so, you know, it's a treacherous political situation. It's a very evenly balanced country. Despite Biden walking away with a with a popular vote um, mandate in 2020, the election came down to a little more than 40,000 people in three states in the Electoral College. So that is, uh, you know, that's a structure in our country. If Think of it, Michael. If 21,000 people had switched their votes in three states, it's even yep. it's like a large basketball arena. Uh, basically, the uh, you know a little more than Madison Square Garden or the Barclays Center in New York or the Staples Center in California, where my team, the Lakers, play. If uh, 21,000 people in those three states had flipped their votes, Trump would have gotten a second term. Okay, and yet. You have one of those two individuals, and I'm referring to Donald Trump, who openly states that on day number one, I don't give a shit if your problem, if you, you know, you're unhappy, again, about the economy, about migrants, about so on and so forth. Under the Trump administration, the Dobbs decision was determined. We lost Roe versus Wade, plain and simple. Under the Trump administration, you had the greatest income inequality in United States history. You have the same guy who's telling you, this is not Michael Cohen spewing it. This is not Norm Eisen spewing it. This is Donald Trump saying it loud and crystal fucking clear. If I am re-elected president of the United States of America on day number one, I am going to rewrite the Constitution. And he's referring the Constitution of the United States of America, not his Constitution for hamburgers, steak, and you know McDonald's and KFC. He's going to rewrite the Constitution of the United States of America as if this mental midget would actually be able to do something like that. What's he going to do? In crayons? He's going to write it on the back of stolen top secret documentation? Really? And what is it that he intends to do? <clears throat> no, look, you're, you're a lawyer. I mean, you're, you are part of that brain trust behind the Brookings Institute. What do you do when the guy tells you in advance that he's going to rewrite the Constitution for the sole purpose of stripping the tripartite system of its powers. He's going to remove the power of the judiciary. He's going to remove the power of the legislative branch so that there is no longer three co-equal branches of government. And he's going to assign all power to the executive branch. Now, most people, when they hear that, they look at Trump as the buffoon that he is. And they say, it's just stupid Donald talk. It can happen. You know how many people I have heard over the years talk about that Roe can never be overturned? And look at what happened. Don't put it past him for a second to try to, and figure it out. Even if he does it and he strips them and then he uses the military 
in order to ensure that it stays stripped. And any judge that's going to vote against him, he's going to lock them up too. You know why? Because he would have the ability to do that. So what are we doing? We are now transforming, literally, on day number one, the United States of America from a democracy to an autocracy. And if that doesn't scare the living shit out of you, listen, Norm, let me be clear. I'm on this witness list for the upcoming trial, the New York Attorney General's case, also on the witness list for the Manhattan District Attorney's list. I happen to also be on the Donald Trump enemies list. Yes. And with with all due respect, you know who else is on it? You? Yes. He's no he's no fan of yours. He just tweeted. So day he, number he, Michael, he just tweeted about me. Norm Eisen is yes. leading, leading the campaign. Yes. Yes. He must be, you and George Soros. I'm sure he's yes. a you he's, and George he's Soros. a hate. He's probably a hate listener to this podcast. Jason Miller probably clips the uh uh Jason Miller probably clips the highlights of the podcast for him every week, Mike. All right. Well, Jason, if you listen, and fuck you. So anyway, my point being, what do you think happens on day number two? They show up like under the old Stalin regime. He'll have an SS group that will show up to the house, kick your door down, bag your tag, you throw you into the back of a black van. And next thing you know, you're in Guantanamo Bay. And you tell me, first of all, Americans by the Constitution a lot not allowed to be held in Guantanamo. Yeah, under whose Constitution? Not under the Donald J. Trump Constitution. He could do whatever he wants. He could throw you into maximum security. In fact, he doesn't even need to have a trial. You know why? He's the king. The king could do whatever the king wants. Fuck it. You know what, Norm? You said so many bad things about me. I'm just going to, we're just going to shoot you right here, right? Public execution for those people who have been, who have wronged me, the king, your king, Donald Trump. And I'm not joking. I know it sounds hyperbolic. It sounds very um, uh, Handmaid's Tale-ish, dystopian. I'm telling you, I know what's going on inside this guy's head. He sees the possibility of ultimate power. And he's going for it. Well, should he be successful, and we can't discount the prospect that Donald Trump will be reelected, what will happen is a battle between the rule of Trump and the rule of law. And we've already seen that the courts um, have resisted him. He lost most famously, 62 out of 63 cases trying to overturn the election in 2020. That came on top of a series of other places where he's been limited by the courts. I believe in the courts. I believe in uh, rule of law. And I think there will be a ferocious pushback in the states. The state um, uh, attorneys general, backed by Uh, The governors and other um, actors in the states will have a critically important role to play. And you and I will have an important role to play, Michael. We're not going anywhere. We're going to fight. I take inspiration from one of my teachers, um, the um, famous, perhaps the most famous, 
uh, dissident in uh, communist times, uh, Václav Havel, he didn't leave the country. When I went to the Czech Republic representing um, the United States, as you know, I wrote about this in my first book, The Last Palace. My mother was the Czechoslovak Jew. She was deported, very proud, patriotic Czechoslovak, <clears throat> deported to Auschwitz, and she returned to try to rebuild the country. When communism came, she left. She'd seen enough by 1949. She'd seen that movie. She know, knew what the ending was. Havel stayed and, and fought, and there will be an important an important place for the the uh, loyal opposition, loyal not to Donald Trump, loyal not to any person, but loyal to the American Constitution. But you know, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a battle. I don't believe that 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 will go right to that dystopian fantasy. It's gonna be more of petty things where oh, you're gonna get an audit. Michael Cohen, congratulations, the IRS is auditing you. Oh, Michael Cohen, um, you know, the company that carries your podcast, they just got a tax audit. Um, suddenly the, uh, you know, you're going to um, find that uh, any, uh, uh, when you go to, go maybe when you go through the airport, every time you go through the airport, you get searched, you know, you're on that list. It happens to me now. It's going to be now. the petty things, Michael. It's going to be the petty No, I don't think so. Yeah. They, well, let's just, you know, you know, Norm, let's agree. Yeah, let's agree to disagree on this one because I'm telling you, that's not what he's looking for. This isn't only about petty, uh, you know, uh, paybacks, you know, by Donald. He wants the full and ultimate power of the United States government. And by stripping the judiciary, by stripping the legislature of their co-equal rights to power and to control, um, you know, checks and balances over the other, um, you know, Branches. Play it out and play it out. What happens when he does that and he goes to court and there's a court order and it's affirmed by the Supreme Court telling him you can't do X, Y or Z. And then he does whatever that is. Let's say it is. Oh, OK. Hold on. Hold on. Let, let me answer that. Let's take it piece by piece. The most important, what happens? Can I say one thing about this conversation? This is the most yeah. important conversation and the most neglected conversation because nobody wants to face the possibility that Donald Trump will be mm -hmm. reelected. But we do have to face that. We have to take it very seriously. Go ahead. So, okay. So you said what happens when he's before the Supreme Court and they making a ruling onto it. By the time that the case hits the Supreme Court, even if it's expedited to the point of one week, one week, Right. That before it gets to the Supreme Court, because the king has demanded that it immediately be looked at. He's already taken full and total control over the United States military or has empowered. We'll call them the brown shirts like an SS to turn around and to start doing his bidding. And why does he feel he's allowed to do that? Because he is the king. And these people want that power. They want to be in his good grace. No different than the way the Wagner group used to be for Putin. So now all of a sudden, he gives a phone call to the Supreme Court judge. Makes no difference which one that it is. And he says, uh, hey, judge, it's me. 
King Donald. There's a document that just came to you. It's regarding the total and absolute control pursuant to executive order by me. You're going to, you're going to agree with it. You're going to approve it. And they turn around and they say, listen, you know, I'm not really sure that's the way. Knock, knock, knock on the door is what they hear. He goes, are you sure? Are you sure that that's not the way you see it? Hello? SS. SS, open the door now, right? And they make their presence known. They'll bag them and tag them. And who's going to stop them? Tell me who's going to stop them. This is the way the man is thinking right now. He's thinking about becoming the Vladimir Putin, the Mohammed bin Salman, the Kim Jong-un of the United States of America. And I'm going to tell you, the ones who really should be fearing him the most are the same fucking idiots. And let me rephrase that because Jason Miller's listening. The same fucking idiots that are paying $100,000 a plate to hang out at mar a whether it's for Rudy Colludi, Drunken Giuliani's um, fundraiser, or just to give Donald money into the millions and millions of dollars. The first person that he's showing up to take their money, all of the one-tenth of one percent. Jeff Bezos, kiss your money goodbye. Elon Musk, have a nice fucking day. Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, he's going to seize their money the same way Mohammed bin Salman did it. And you know what he's thinking in his mind, Norm? Mm-hmm. If they were able to do it, I can do it. Well, he is not dealing with a legal system like that of Saudi Arabia. There is a strong rule of law tradition in the United States. And I think that what you're going to see is a kind of a, and I, I haven't really thought it through myself. I haven't modeled it like I did, you know, before the 2020 election, I spent months and months and you were the first to encourage me to do this. You told me he's not going to leave the White House, so you better think it through. And I did. I haven't truly thought this situation through, but I will say that he's he's going to face furious uh, resistance. And it is not at all clear to me that the Secret Service will go along. They've sworn an oath. You know, if there's a court order to arrest Donald Trump for contempt for refusing to abide by an order of the Supreme Court, I'm I'm not at all certain um, that uh, sworn law enforcement officers of the United States will obey him. He has not yet created a cult of personality. Michael, why did he not, not stage a military coup? You know he looked into it. Does he have the authority to seize the voting machines? But the military, led by Mark Esper and General Milley, would have been loyal to their oaths, not to Donald Trump. So he could, okay, and he what he would do the, ne- the next time around, right? So I just want to let you know the way that he views what that happened there. That was a practice run. Now he knows what he did wrong, and so this time he'll put in Michael Flynn, and Michael Flynn is not going to be a um, a general Milley. He's going to turn around and he's going to do what his boss says, what the king says. You know, I like the fact that you know you always have been 
you're a man who stands behind the rule of law and you believe in the rule of law. How did the rule of law work out for Michael Cohen? When Donald Trump ordered his bloviated dirtbag Bill Barr to violate a U.S. citizen's First Amendment constitutional right and remand him back to prison because he wouldn't waive his First Amendment rights. How did that rule of law work out? Well, you... Yeah, exactly. Here's how it worked so out. So when I'm Wait warning you, and when I'm warning you, when, I, when I'm warning you and everybody else that's listening, that too was a practice run, as was January 6th. He now knows the, he, he knows the, um, the cracks, right, in the... In the, um, in the concrete. He knows what needs to be done in order to ensure a better likelihood of success on round two. The, um, but remember what happened, Michael. Danya went to court. I remember it vividly because <clears throat> I got bumped off of, uh, I got bumped off of uh, uh, Rachel Maddow's show as a result. Your brilliant lawyer, Danya Perry, went to court. And she got an order from the judge saying, you can't do that in America. And uh, they... Um, Norm, you missed it. Norm, I'm so sorry. You're missing the point. The point here is they did do it. They did. You can't undo what was done. I, the fact that it was overturned, I get that. But, that's right? the, but it was done. And that's, and that's my point. Yes, the terrible things will happen. But yes... The courts will push back. It will be like an internal civil war, I think, without the shooting. But it's going to be a, a an internal battle between the rule of Trump and the rule of law. I'm not denying that every day he's going to say to his team, how far can we push on rule of law today, on democracy and rule of law? And they will push as far as they think they can get away with. He won't be surrounded this time around uh, by the, the, the Gary Combs of the world who'll try to hold him back, right? That's right. Um, well, unfortunately, as I'm trying, I was, I was, uh, the point I was trying to make here is yet I still don't understand how he has that 30% plus of that Republican base and how the numbers could still remain close. When I just laid out for the last 25 minutes the danger that this man poses to the future of democracy, to the United States. You know, let me move on because I could spend the entire hour on this. So how do you think, Norm, that this affects Trump from a criminal defense standpoint, right? I mean, in just security, you referred to the ruling as a tipping point. So do me a favor, explain to my, to my listeners how so and in what way could this reverberate? Um, well, um, you know, this is the, the 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 four criminal prosecutions of Donald Trump are just charges at this point. They haven't been tried. The first trial will be in March of 2024. The next one will be in May of 2024 on the federal democracy crimes and the federal document. Uh, crimes, respectively, the classified document crimes, alleged. Um, but here you have an actual judgment that a court has said, civilly, not criminally, but a court has said, Donald Trump, you committed fraud, and, and there's going to be more findings. It is going to have 
um, a um, an effect on the those who are not in the thirty percent. I think it will erode some non-core support. More importantly, it 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 it's devastating to Trump. It it undermines his financial base if his companies are being liquidated. Um, it's going to affect his cash. Um, it and it it hits him where he lives. You know this better than I. His business, his name on the business, his brand, the Trump Organization. That's his pride and joy. That's the core of his identity. The judge is literally ordering um, a set of steps that will result in Donald Trump's name being removed from many of his most prized assets. That's not just financially devastating, that's emotionally devastating. So I think it's a body blow. And um, even Donald Trump cannot continue to withstand these body blows. I believe it's going to be very likely followed by convictions, criminal convictions. And you're going to see a much diminished Donald Trump if he is the nominee coming out of the Republican convention. You know, some polls suggest that once he's convicted, Michael, Biden leads him by 10 points. People really draw a distinction between being accused and being convicted. And these civil fraud verdicts are like a down payment on being convicted. So it's a tipping point. It's very bad for Donald Trump. So then it's nice that you, myself, Lincoln Project, the whole slew, Midas Touch, I guess we're all part of that, huh? Uh, we're all part of trying to ensure that Joe Biden ends up flipping that where that he's a minimum of 10 points ahead, that there's not even a close race here if, in fact, it's another Trump-Biden-2 uh, election. You would agree with that? Um, yeah, I, you know, we, we, my goal is not an electoral one in my, you know, when I write and do this stuff. I that's for the American people to decide. My goal is to shed light upon these urgent policy questions. They're the most urgent policy questions for our democracy today. Like, what is the meaning of these fraud verdicts? Did Donald Trump um, uh, expose himself to criminal liability? How serious is that liability? What are the weaknesses? You know, I every time I write something, when I write, do my major pieces on um, the big prosecution memos, I'm proud of my record. I called all four of these prosecutions in advance, often years in advance. Um, and, you know, like often was able to analyze exactly what the charges would be when many people were saying he'll never get charged. He's Teflon Don. I'm like, no, he's going to get charged. Mm -hmm. Here's the case. Um and the civil similar that similar uh, thoughts with the uh, similar analysis with the civil cases, um, you know, I'm trying to elucidate for today. Um, to the the electoral questions are separate questions. I leave that to the political people and ultimately to the wisdom of of the American voters. As I say, 2018, 2020, 2022, they have repudiated. The, the nightmare scenario, the Kafka-esque scenario that you described, Darkness at Noon, Arthur Kessler's book about this knock on the door. 
The American voters understand that. Yes, you and I and others elucidate the facts. They understand that that's what Donald Trump is about. They don't want that kind of country, Michael. They don't want that. You know, that. by the way, that knock on the door, that happened to my wife's grandfather. In the middle of the night, they knocked on the door. My, my, my mother-in-law, I think maybe she was five years old at the time, knocked on the door. They took her father. Somebody said that he was anti-communist or whatever was under Stalin. Next thing you know, he's in a gulag where they killed him. And he died there, right? Uh, they never saw him again. I don't even think they know where the body ended up. Yeah. This is the Kafka scenario that I worry for every single day here. And it's why I'm so committed to doing what I'm doing. However, I do have to say, well, you know what? I'll get to that after. But what I wanted to say is more, it's why I had made a statement the other day on uh, CNN and MSNBC, where you know I know that government keeps relying on me. I've now... I don't know how many hundreds of hours of testimony that I have provided being called as a witness in two of these cases as a key witness. I'm concerned about my own safety. I truly am. I'm concerned about not only the safety of of myself, but I'm concerned about the safety of other Americans. But before we jump into that, I I want to say because you recently went on CNN and they brought you on to discuss the GOP lead House impeachment inquiry uh, into President Biden saying that, and I'm going to quote, Hunter is not in the White House. And there's no showing the Biden who is did anything meriting impeachment. So do me a favor. Again, as a guy who ran the impeachment uh, against Donald Trump. Would you discuss with me and my listeners what you think is behind this push to impeach Joe Biden other than payback? You know, the tragically, one of our great political parties, the 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 grand old party, the GOP, the Republican Party, has been taken over by the MAGA mob, this 30% that we're talking about. They vote in primaries. And they vote the way Donald Trump tells them. And privately, these people know that what Trump wants, his demands for revenge, he was impeached. So now we got to impeach Biden. He's being prosecuted by DOJ. So now we need to shut down the government to cut DOJ's funding, uh, including to cut the funding for his cases. Um, They know that's wrong, but they're craving. And uh, they um, are bowing to MAGA. That's what this impeachment is about. Donald Trump has been very open. He was impeached. He wants Biden to be impeached. There's no legal basis to impeach. There's no factual basis to impeach. Joe Biden has not made a penny off of Hunter Biden. And Hunter Biden has not been shown to have broken any law in his business dealings. And there's no political basis because it's actually going to help Biden. It's going to create sympathy for Biden. Nevertheless, Trump wants it. So the um, uh, the McCarthy MAGA mob is stampeding to do it. The problem is that um, um, when you uh, feed the beast, uh, it only creates more appetite. And no matter what McCarthy does, he cannot satisfy uh, these MAGA mobsters um, uh, like uh, like Matt, Matt Gates. So um, 
you now we are on the verge not only of impeachment but a government shutdown to to placate and pacify them how despicable i mean this is going to have an it has an effect on on real people's lives congress is wasting time on this nonsense uh when um uh, uh they should be dealing with helping americans uh so i um uh, I think it's terrible, but that's what's happening. So let me ask you this then. Do you think that Comer, that Congressman Comer, or as I like to call him, Comer Pyle, really believes that Biden has committed high crime? Isn't he? It's like fucking Gomer Pyle. He's such a fucking goober, right? Honestly, so I, I I would love to punt kick him right in don't the fucking say ass. That. You don't know, say that. I can't stand let's him. Never, I, I, let's never. I would resort. love to kick him right in his ass. <laughs> no. He deserves it. No, no, you know, no. just we literally bend him, no. bend him over. Now I'm ser- I'm serious. I'm talking about like the way that my buddy, who was the kicker for the New York Giants, see if I can't put him 30, 40 yards right through the upright. Don't, He's don't such say an that. asshole. They, don't say that. Well, no, too bad. Give in. So we no, it's very no. Important. It's not about it's not about giving in here, Norm. It's not all right. He's making a mockery out of Congress. He's making a mockery out of the position that he was entrusted to sit in in order to lead this country. He's he's yes. not leading All the country. Is- he's like the pipe pipe. He's the pipe piper of stupidity. And sometimes what you need to do is you just got to give someone a kick no, in the ass and no. say, wake up, schmuck. I just know fucking you just, wake up. I but know you just mean that metaphorically. But I learned this lesson from Havel. You have to fight. You fight with passion. But they, you follow the principles of civil disobedience. So even as a metaphor, never, uh, we never. There's, there's nothing like a good solid swift kick oh, in the no, ass. No, but no, let no. me just get back to my question. Yeah, here. Go, go yeah. ahead. Let me just give, let me get back to my question here, right? Do you really think that Comer believes that Biden has committed high crimes no. and misdemeanors? I mean, oh. it is. I don't care what anybody says. What what my passion is coming from the insanity that the entire hearing demonstrated. So do me a favor, Norm. I'm going to be quiet. Discuss this with me. Well, the the um, so-called impeachment inquiry hearing uh, demonstrated that there is no legal basis. There's no factual or evidentiary basis. And there's no political basis for uh, uh, an impeachment inquiry uh, into Joe Biden, uh, led by led by um, uh, a comb- Comer pile. Comer. <laughs> uh, it just is groundless. Let's start with the legal basis. You, you can't have an impeachment inquiry. This is the law that governs Congress. You can't have an impeachment inquiry without a vote of Congress. You can't call it impeachment inquiry without a vote of Congress. We, when we investigated Trump legitimately for his shakedown, his gangster-like shakedown of uh, President Zelensky, where he withheld hundreds of millions of dollars unless Zelensky was willing to falsely attack Biden, his political opponent, um, we had a vote on the floor of the House, and we had a formal approval. So they can't even call it legally, they can't call what they're doing an impeachment inquiry. 
Number two, there's no factual basis. And, and um, even their own witnesses, witness after witness, admitted there's no evidence right now that Joe Biden uh, took any money. They've been looking for years. Joe Biden didn't do anything wrong. There's no indication that Hunter broke any law. Nobody's charged. He's charged for other stuff. Nobody's charged Hunter said there was anything uh, illegal about these business dealings he was engaged in. So you don't have a sufficient showing on the evidence and the facts of what's required under the Constitution. Treason or high crimes or misdemeanors. It's not there. No factual basis. Show me one penny Biden took after all these years of looking. Don't talk to me about um, his son's service on Burisma. We looked at the connection between Hunter and Joe on that, and there was no there there. We looked at that in the first Trump impeachment. Then you have the politics of it. <laughs> the uh, um, What uh, Comer uh, is doing is, um, I can't get that phrase, Comer pile out of my head. It cracks me up every time. He's, gaslight, he's gaslighting America. What he's doing is gaslighting America. But it's it's so stupid, Michael, because he's helping Biden. Most Americans don't want this impeachment. He's, it's actually, in doing the bidding of the MAGA mob, they're actually going to improve Biden's standing because people are going to be sympathetic. So it's an across-the-board failure. And that's why it was such a chaotic clown show yesterday when they had the, the hearing, they had the witnesses. The witnesses helped, their own witnesses helped the Democrats. I know I felt bad because, you know, I can't stand, uh, what's his name, Jonathan Turdley, yeah. you know, the uh, the attorney. Uh, the professor, the genius asshole over at um, GW Law School, Turdley, whatever the fuck his name is, can't stand him. A total asshole. But putting all that aside, I couldn't believe it. I was watching, and he's turning and saying, no, at this present time, based on the information I see, I don't see that an impeachment is proper at this time. And he is their witness. He is Gomer Pyle's witness. It doesn't make any sense to me. And you know what? Good for, good for Dan Goldman. See, I like Dan Goldman. I like Jared Moskowitz. I love Jamie Raskin. I mean, I love these guys that are willing to get up and to fight. And don't listen to Gomer saying to you, point of order, point of order, point of order, point of order. He goes, point of order, fuck you. So he goes, I'm not going to stop and say something. I want to get a document into the record. And, so, and it is just... To me, it's the way that you have to deal with them because that's the way that the Republicans are dealing with the Democrats. They, their goal is to shut them out of everything. You want to put a document into the record? Nope, we're not going to allow it, right? And so on. I mean, he doesn't follow the rules because they don't want to follow the rules. Their whole goal is to gaslight America into believing that Joe Biden did something wrong. Why? Well, because it negates, in their mind, the fact that Donald Trump did something wrong and that Donald Trump is being held accountable for what he did wrong. And they don't want to see that. So you know what? The way that we, the way that we point the finger, stop pointing the finger at Donald Trump because we're pointing the finger at your guy, Joe Biden, who did the exact same thing, but worse, right? Yeah. But worse. Yeah. 
Um, well, there's some very capable younger Democratic members. Dan, of course, good friend of mine, who, as you know, I work closely with on the uh, impeachment, on that first impeachment, and it catapulted him uh, to Congress. Um, it's not as uh, good a credential that he got out of it as I got out of it, because I got to be friends with you out of the impeachment. And I'm a regular on your... Oh, that's true. That's right. But that's you know what? If I, ever, if, I ever make, if I ever make some of my money back and I end up getting a boat, I don't care how big, how small, I think I'm going to call my boat impeachment. Um, I was thinking that I should have a... Uh, I'm so identified with that impeachment that I should have a new snack food, impeachments, a little box of mints. I have them. I have them. <laughs> I have them. It's funny that you say that. Yeah, I'm going to even show you. They're not impeachments. It's called indictments. <laughs> and they're, by the way, they're delicious. And the mints, yeah, the, the mints. I'm going to start producing them for my political beatdown and for Maya Culp. I'm going to have a little stay. But you know, I want to get serious on something, though. Because I, I want, and I want to switch gears since we don't have a lot of time left. Yes, sir. I want to switch gears and I want to start talking briefly about the report that your group, States United Democracy Center, released that says 23 election deniers in 17 states serve as either governor, attorney general, or secretary of state. That means a third of the country has an election denier in statewide office overseeing their elections. So do me a favor, discuss with my listeners how election denial has grown into an entire industry of lies and what is at stake as it continues to proliferate. Well, at what is at stake with the proliferation of election denial is nothing less than the future of American democracy itself. Um, uh, as... Uh, Stalin apocryphally uh, pointed out um, what's important, he said, uh, is not who votes, it's who counts the votes. And the election. I, I quote denial, that all the time. The election denial movement, which was um, uh, exploded uh, uh, onto the scene by Donald Trump in the attempted election overturn of 2020. Uh, is about uh, declaring uh, the losers as the winners if you have the political power to do it and if they're your allies. Never mind uh, what the voters actually choose. It's about uh, the um, political leaders choosing their voters instead of the voters choosing political leaders. It turns uh, American democracy upside down. It removes um, the... Uh, genuine choices that give legitimacy to our system. So if a um, Donald Trump is successful in returning as president, if a Kerry Lake or a Doug Mastriano can be governor, uh, if a Mark Fincham um, can be a, a secretary of state, an Abe Hamaday, an attorney general, all of these Trump acolytes who wanted to run for the state offices to take a hold of the election system and then uh, and then invert it, 
we're going to lose our democracy. So at States United, we track that trend across America. Uh, the American people broadly repudiated it in 2022. Uh, but, you know, they people can't make choices unless they know the facts. So we try to uh, make the facts clear. And that's a tremendous danger. We got to keep a sharp eye on it. Yeah, that is 100% sure. So look, Norm, as the hour starts to come to an end, I have one last question for you. This is a really important one. And it's something that it's, it's about something that you wrote, because I read it, that you wrote this um, really super interesting piece for Just Security, another one of your publications um, recently, that analyzed what you call the anti-democracy playbook. And you assert that the rise of Hungary's Viktor Orban, who has turned the country into this illiberal state, something that it's part of the conversation that... I know is going on inside Trump's head, which is why we had that long, long diatribe on what Trump is looking to do that openly embraces autocracy, right, should serve as a warning to the United States. So do me a favor, because this this is really, in my opinion, I think this is what it's all about. Unpack for me. What, you, what do you mean here and how Tucker Carlson's interview with him should send off alarm bells? Um, well, um, if you look at Orban's Hungary, Michael, you'll see that this issue that you and I were debating earlier, we agree on the danger. I think we were having a healthy debate on how it will unfold. That came to pass in Hungary. And by the way, it was not the knock on the door. That's not how Orban did it. He very systematically, when he returned to office, like Donald Trump wants to return to office, and this is why Tucker Carlson keeps pushing Orban, the Orban model. Tucker wants this here in the United States also. Um, when um, Orban lost and then got back in office, he systematically dismantled the sources of power, uh, the judiciary, the media, the uh, police that could have resisted him. And he started replacing those, um, the people in charge with his people slowly. He changed the laws. He built more popular support and he changed the constitution. So he bent the system to his autocratic will and he unwound democracy. Now what we have in Hungary is he's proud. He says it's illiberal democracy. It's autocracy. Okay. It's a, uh, you know, a version of dictatorship where he has these powers. He, the judiciary can't resist him any longer. The Constitution has been changed. The press has been weakened. And he doesn't do it with the knock on the door. Instead, oh, you're, you know, you're under invest. He says you're under tax investigation. You're under investigation for libel. They have different kind of libel laws there. And sometimes you mm -hmm. never, the investigation never comes to pass. You never actually charged but the pressure of being investigated, and he lets everybody else know you're being investigated. People are scared of you. 
That is the model that Tucker Carlson and American ultra-conservatives, MAGA conservatives, they're not real conservatives. That's what they admire. And so I think we should pay very close attention. Over That video had over 100 million views on Twitter. Now, we know those numbers are somewhat inflated every time somebody scrolls past that counts as a view. Still, that's a very big number. We better watch out. No, it's not a big number. It's an enormous number. And it's it's the whole point of our initial conversation. Trump is looking at the Viktor Orbans of the world. He's looking at the Vladimir Putins of the world, the Mohammed bin Salmans, the Kim Jong-uns. He's looking at the dictators, the monarchs, supreme leaders, the rulers. This is what he wants. And it, I'm not saying he's going to copy the Viktor Orban method, nor am I really saying that he's going to go with the Kim Jong-un method either of tying people up to a tree and shooting a rocket at them. He'll just do it all. He'll, he'll use, he will, he will basically create a smorgasbord of these ideas. He'll throw it all into a basket and he'll throw all of them out there and whichever one sticks he doesn't really care because who's the beneficiary at the end of the day to any success? And the answer is him. He'll no longer have to run for president. He'll be president for life. He'll have full and total control over the United States because he's going to give it to himself via executive privilege. And he will, in essence, seat himself as the king. And this is why this election, and I say this on every single podcast, whether it's uh, mea culpa, political beatdown, I say it on television, this is the most important election in maybe United States history. And that's why it's so important to make sure that every single person is fully registered to vote. Make sure you vote blue up and down the entire card. And the only way, in my opinion, to get rid of Trumpism, to get rid of this Orban ideology, this Putin ideology, this Ben Salman ideology, is you have to vote out those people that want it because they see power in it for themselves. You have to vote them out of office and only consider people who want to do good for America and, and democracy. Everybody else should just leave. Well, it's you're right. There's nothing that could be more important than the referendum that's coming. It's not just on Trump versus Biden. It's on the future of democracy uh, in the United States. And because United States is the global leader, it really uh, is on the future of democracy internationally. Nothing could be more important than that. I want to thank you, as always, for having me and for your very, very uh, great questions, Michael. I really appreciate you. And Norm, I appreciate you. I thank you, Brookings Institute, all of your writings. Um, they help me pass my day. They make me smart. You make me smarter. So thank you, Norm, for everything. Thanks, Michael. See you soon, pal. And now for today's mea culpa. If one were to crawl inside Donald Trump's brain right now, and boy, what a scary fucking place that would be, they would see a man unraveling in real time. 
In just one week's time, Trump saw the dissolution of his vaunted business empire while continuing to fight not one, not two, not three, but four, four separate criminal trials and other pending civil litigations. You see, Trump defines himself in measures to others. In his mind, there are winners and then there are losers. That's it. Rich guys and then everyone else. Now, Trump is neither. Stripping him of his self, it's the harshest penalty that one could imagine and quite ingenious. It's the one thing that truly wounds him up. Now, I mean, now that he's no longer rich or won't be for very long, we will see the absolute unfucking raveling pick up speed. People tolerated him because he was able to manufacture an aura of success. But with that stripped away, he's just another failed businessman, a loser, and worst of all, he's poor. What we are witnessing, it's the slow wheels of justice beginning to grind Trump in its gears. This ruling represents a milestone in the long fight for justice and accountability, and it will shake the Teflon Don's aura to its core. I am truly excited for what comes next, but also apprehensive. Why? Well, we watched this week as the GOP enacted a ridiculous Trump-ordered farce to protect their dear leader. He will not go down without a fight and will try and cause as much collateral damage as possible on the way out. We must not let him. We mustn't be swayed by the hall of mirrors that the GOP has created to deflect us from reality. Luckily, the hearings were beyond fucking absurd, and the public saw that for themselves, for exactly what it was. But this is just the opening salvo, my friends, and let's hope that Biden and his team are able to play rough and push back, and that's the Democrats that they're finally showing that they're ready, that they're ready to step up and slap the shit out of this nonsense. They need to slap this bullshit down and slap it down now. Because anything less than total commitment will prove to be dangerous for President Biden. That's the scary part. And as always, thanks for listening. Mayor Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. Oh,